You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Hey folks, Brian Nichols here from The Brian Nichols Show. Are you tired of partisan politics? Do you want to hear the news without that media narrative? Do you want to be more well-rounded as a person? Or how about this? Do you want to get to know and learn from noted entrepreneurs, elected officials, C-level executives, economists, and more? Well, how about this? Look no further. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Again, I'm your host, Brian Nichols. Go ahead and learn more at briannicholsshow.com. Okay, so hear me out. You like getting cash back for the normal stuff you buy throughout your week, right? Of course you do. Check out the Dosh app. That's D-O-S-H, Dosh. Dosh is available at the App Store and Google Play Store and securely connects to your credit or debit card. From there, every time you use those cards, Dosh searches for available offers. Once it finds one, Dosh automatically redeems the offer and converts it into cold, hard cash. Muchos dineros, brother. Then deposits that directly into your Dosh wallet. Click the link to download and join Dosh today and get $5 just for joining. This link is exclusively in the show notes of this episode. So, show notes, special link, Dosh, $5 cash. Start on the path to quick and easy cash back on the things you love today. Hey everybody, check out the Break the Bell podcast where we believe your voice is your most powerful weapon. For a weekly dose of our take on what's going on in the world mixed with a side of history. Find us wherever podcasts are found or on social media handle at Break the Bell Pod. And most importantly, never stop talking. Prepare yourself. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. Folks, I've got a story for you. Um, I was a junior in college, and like most juniors in college, I was I was dirt broke. And uh, I looked at my brother one day, my brother Ryan. It was his freshman year at Liberty University, and it was my junior year. And no, it was my senior year. God, time flies. I don't know what that says about me. Anyway, side sidetrack. Um, you know, we we were looking around trying to make some money. We were working on a few campaigns at the time, and we had this young fervor for freedom, fervor for liberty. We were just more into it then than any other point of our lives. You could have convinced us to join a commune full of gun-toting hippies. It would have been freaking awesome. But, uh, you know, it was during a time where a lot was happening. It was during the Rand Paul phase of the liberty movement, and so much stuff was happening. Things seemed bright, things seemed dark, but things were exciting. And ultimately, that's how the first podcast, the Remso Martinez Experience or the Remso Republic Way Yonder Back started. It started as our attempt to make money doing something we loved because ultimately neither of us wanted to be like our friends and go work at Dairy Queen. Nothing against Dairy Queen. I love Dairy Queen. Everyone does. I just don't want to work there because anyone that has worked there has hated it. It's a love-hate thing, give and take. But with that said, over the last uh, five years particularly, I've had a crazy journey myself trying to work through this movement. I cover it in my first book, Stay Away from the Libertarians. But what I'm always interested in is trying to understand other people who have been able to combine an actual professional career or just build up a very impressive resume, combining their talents with their passion. And if you're listening to the show, you know, this isn't like other programs. You're, you're men and women of action. You actually like to get shit done. That's why you're so awesome. You're a cut above. 
And uh, what what is interesting is that I, I've heard enough people talk about good intentions, about wanting to write a book about something, and particularly wanting to write a book for young people or people that are in that transition stage in their life where they're trying to find that purpose. They're trying to find that next step. And it's about freaking time somebody already did that. And that is our guest today. He's a Young Voices contributor. Uh, he's a writer in his own right. I'm going to go ahead and link to all his commentary, all his social media. Most importantly, I'm going to link to his book in the show notes, Work for Liberty, Connor Dragotis. Did I say that right? You nailed it. Oh, perfect. Uh, Connor, I, I got to ask. I've heard enough people bring it up over the years, a lot of good intentions, a lot of, oh, I wrote 10 words, and maybe I'll touch it a year from now. You're the first person to actually freaking do it. So congrats. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. It feels good to uh, put something out into the world that can hopefully do some real good. And really, at the end of the day, I think that's what this comes down to. So uh, I'm excited to be here. What, what was the primer? Because one as somebody that's published two books, they're a bitch and a half to do sometimes. Uh, so, I mean, congrats for joining the Authors Club. It's like, you know, giving birth to a child that will never age. It's like you know, reverse Benjamin Button syndrome. So get ready to carry this thing with you forever, good and bad. But, uh, you know, this is a topic that, like I mentioned, a lot of people talk about. What was the primer that made you not only want to cover this, but then ultimately turn it into a book for the general audience? Yeah. So, you know, Work for Liberty uh, as, a, as a book, it's really a resource guide, right, to help people find employment in the liberty movement. And that's a big tent. There's a lot of different things that fall under liberty movement intentionally. Um, but for me, you know, necessity is the mother of invention, as they say. And uh, back in 2017, in July, uh, I found myself without a job. I got laid off. And I had been working in sales. I had been working a ton of hours a week, and I was also spending all of my free time working uh, on liberty-related causes. Um, so when I found myself unemployed and sit, sitting there wondering what to do, what really uh, blew my mind was how important purpose became to me. It became something that was absolutely essential. So uh, I actually spent six months uh, refusing to take a job unless it was purpose-driven. Uh, living off my savings, paying my mortgage out of my savings account. And um, at the end of that, I ended up with a wonderful job. I found a, a, I'm actually still in the, uh, the law firm uh, that, that I was hired at at that time. Um, but about a year ago, uh, I started teaching uh, at, at Lehigh University, and we started doing a lot more work with this younger population of people who are also looking for jobs. And it occurred to me, man, I have a ton of research from that six months. I bet someone else could use this. Uh, and that, that became the book. Uh, a lot of old research mixed with a lot of new research and uh, also some practical tips and tricks for how to get a job, not just what, where to find them. Yeah, I mean, you, you started with something that really hits me on a personal level. 2017 was a hard year for me. Uh, I was, I you know... I was a political science uh, major, which obviously opens up so many wonderful opportunities. I can tell many great stories drunk. Nothing really practical, except government bad, taxes bad, the rest. But, uh, you, you know, it's one of these things where I, I, I came from a very politically driven conservative school. And you had a lot of people that uh, really fell into two camps, especially in the in the Helm School government where I graduated from. You had people that graduated their poli-sci degree and went in a completely different industry. They completely dropped it, got a completely different job in something else. 
Uh, and then you had people that went and started careers, but usually just from the outset of it, it's like even though they were starting from where we were told as millennials is a good place to start, having finished your bachelor's degree, done well in school, et cetera, they, it's almost like they had to start from, let's say, somebody with no general knowledge or experience. They were working not just uh, temporary staffer jobs on the Hill, but they were working very low-paying internships. And what was always the scam was the experience internships. Now, I, I personally believe that if you're going to go into an arrangement of somebody, you have the right to do it and not get paid. I don't ever want to sound like I'm saying that's not an option. I've done that, and I've gained a lot of experience from that. But I also try and tell people to avoid that because if you're walking out of college with a bunch of debt and you're trying to find a purpose-driven job, you might jump for the first one that sounds good, but it's always good to have something on the side. So what do you think is the biggest challenge for people that, you know, or let's say our students that were in the position that we were, who are trying to find that next stage in their life, but it, it, it comes to that big problem, which is, do I find something to find work just to make sure I can keep myself afloat? Or do I try and take that big chance while I'm young and while I'm invested in, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of it? Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing that I would recommend for people who are currently in college or even high school and trying to think about what their path looks like is to spend a lot of time uh, actually considering what it means to have purpose. Uh, it's, a, it's not just, uh, are you happy or are you not? Uh, it really comes down to a concept that I've, I've used before, which is called ikigai. It's a Japanese phrase that means a reason for being. Uh, and it lays out in the form of a Venn diagram the argument that really your purpose is comprised of four different things, what you love, what you're good at, what you can be paid for, and also what the world needs. Now, I'd argue that the world needs a little bit more liberty right now. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of why this is such a big push for me is people who are engaged in, in the liberty movement generally, once they're in, it's because they've, they're committed and they found that purpose. But there are so many people out there who agree who could be making money uh, and, and they simply haven't taken the time to realize, holy cow, I can get paid to do what I love. Uh, and that's, uh, I think it's an American tragedy that there are a lot of people out there living in that world. Yeah. And I mean, it, it, uh, it, it's one of those things where it really has to be a, a self-driven journey. And like all journeys, you're going to have ups and downs. There were many moments um, in my post-college life where it was very easy to want to give up. And that is ultimately the, the big struggle. It's wanting to you know, do what you're actually happy doing and being able to get paid for it. But at the same time, you, know, you, you, you hit ruts. Uh, what were some of the challenges that you had as you were looking for work, as you were trying to find those things? Because I think for a lot of folks, it's that they have a sense of direction, but they don't necessarily have a map showing them, okay, maybe I need to check out here, check out there. It's like they kind of just go out into the world and they're like, well, shoot. I don't know where I'm going right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, the biggest challenges I faced uh, personally was uh, I realized really quickly uh, that I wasn't as well connected as I maybe thought I was. Right. I had spent time volunteering uh, uh, in things that I cared about in the liberty movement. But uh, it, 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 in many cases, it is unfortunately who you know, not what you know. Right. Um, it's relationships. That's how we build tribes. That's how we build great companies. That's how we develop friendships is, is we have an in-group and an out-group. 
Um, so that's a big challenge. If you don't feel like that, you know, someone, um, who can hook you up with a job or someone who can make an introduction at the right time, uh, you can feel like you're really floating. Uh, and that's, that's definitely something I try to address in the, in the book is in terms of, uh, talking about how to network and being a giver, uh, not just a transactional person, right? You don't want to be the guy running around handing out 50 business cards and making no friends. Uh, there's, there's a big difference there. Um, and the other thing is a lot of these job boards that I found over the course of six months, uh, were pretty well hidden. Uh, I had a general idea of where I wanted to be and I spent a tremendous amount of time trying to track these links down, uh, cause they're always buried in the footer or they're not on the first page of Google. Uh, believe it or not, if you type in Liberty jobs, if you type in libertarian jobs, uh, you're probably going to get my book. Uh, because it's pretty hard to find uh, any other resource out there that does it. Exactly, right? Yeah, I got a good SEO guide. That's part of the book launch, uh, trying to make sure that we can get found. Um, but yeah, no, those two things are are huge obstacles to overcome. Uh, and there are ways to get over them, though. So for, for let's just say, what, what type of people do you really want to get your book in front of? Is there a certain type of individual who you think is either prepared for this or is it more of a just, you know, read this so you can get an understanding as to whether you want to take that next step? One thing that I do, and this was a pandemic side hustle of mine, was I did uh, author consulting primarily for self-published authors. And what I find, and I mean, the metric usually has not changed in seven months, for every like three authors I talk to and I actually walk them through the process, maybe one will actually follow through with it and the two others will just drop it because they finally see the work. Who would you say that your book is really targeted towards? The person that's thinking or the person that's actually ready to do something? You know, I think I'm, I'm pretty optimistic that this book can at least put some tools in the tool belt for everyone. Uh, so uh, I'd certainly recommend that people have it in their hands earlier. And that's not just a sales pitch. That's just because you as a human being uh, will benefit from networking tips and how to do a resume. Um, but really the people who will get the most out of this are going to be the people who are ready to go. Maybe the folks who have been sitting on the edge of their job saying, man, I'm, I'm not happy here. I wish I was doing something else. Uh, the folks who are thinking, uh, I'm spending my free time caring about Liberty, but I'm not doing it in my nine to five. Uh, this book can put a hundred tools in your hand in five minutes, uh, just to say, not only here's how to present yourself, but then here's where to go and, and, and pursue that job. As you were putting everything together and researching this, what were some of the things that may have seemed new to you or things that you discovered while writing it that you're like, well, shoot, I didn't intend to put this here, but I wish I had known this back then. <laughs> well, I, you know, the biggest surprise in, in, the, in writing this book truly was uh, how many organizations have privacy policies on their website. Uh, so before I provide their name or anything, I need to reach out to their legal department um, but the, the, the real takeaway there, and I guess my more serious answer, is um, I was amazed uh, about how many people um, were struggling. Um, as, I, as I reached out to people to, to interview them and, and learn about, hey, what kind of tools would be really helpful for you? Should I include these type of organizations or should I include um, this uh, interview strategy? Uh, a lot of folks said, can I get a PDF of this uh, when it's in its draft stage? Or, or can I make sure that I get an email about this when it comes out? Um, because people are struggling. And, uh, you know, I'm a 
I'm a big believer that the Liberty movement is a movement that should lift each other up. And, and that's something that I think is so important. Uh, people are struggling. Let's help. Uh, can, can you share some of the stories of the folks that you interviewed? I'm interested about that. Yeah. Um, that's a, I've, you know, distilled so much out and, and uh, a lot of the interviews were, you know, I didn't include transcripts or anything in, in the book. These were more just my own research tools. Um, but I think some of the most important ones were, were the folks who were already part of the liberty movement, working for organizations that cared about liberty, um, as they talked about what they were excited about. Um, because there are so many different projects out there in the world. So I, I talked to a, a CEO of an organization up in New Hampshire, and uh, all that he could talk about was, man, I'm coming to this so so much later in life than I wanted to, uh, but here are all the things I've been able to accomplish. Or uh, uh, a couple other folks who I spoke to who are in the in the time of transition um, uh, between things, and uh, just hearing what they were missing uh, and and how they were getting creative to open those doors. Man, it, it provided a ton of influence to to put this book together. Yeah, one, one of the things that I noticed probably a few years out of college when I became, you know, the, the elder millennial amongst all these, uh, recent teeny boppers and everything was that you've got, you've got some people that were so engaged in like the student movement growing up that when they get out of college and they don't immediately get what they want, they see that as like a personal fault of theirs. And it's almost like this guilt. Like I see my friends doing this and they're active and they're doing things I want to do and I want to contribute, but I can't for X, Y, and Z reasons. And um, that that's something that always kind of gets me because I, I've, I've worked with really everybody, progressives, conservatives, apathetic people that are just, you know, power-hungry sociopaths, thanks to House of Cards, you know, <laughs> the works. But, I mean, I think there's something different about libertarians because we identify so many problems. And I do inherently believe that we have the right answers because our solutions focus on the individual and they're almost always peaceful. So I don't think that there's really much of a hard, you know, sales pitch for that. But for folks that are, um, you know, in that phase where it's beginning to become really hard, the one thing I've told them is to take another job. One thing that is not politically or liberally related. I say that one of the most humbling and soul-searching moments of my life was when I had uh, – it was actually – about five months after I had published my first book, it was a it was an Amazon best-selling book in its category, did a ton of stuff. Then the fanfare died down, and I found myself without a job working at GameStop for $7.25 an hour stocking shelves, and my supervisor was a 16-year-old high schooler with a learner's permit. And even though it was not where I wanted to be, I was just happy to work. Uh, when do you think those moments where it's like, you know, give yourself a pass to focus on your immediate needs first come in, because I think that's not only important just for your own well-being, but it's also good for your personal development. I know a lot of people that have gone into like the nonprofit space and my God, they have very few little actual like office related skills. Somebody has to fix the toner in the printer. (laughs) Somebody has to do that at some point. So where's that kind of give and take for people on their journey of finding that job eventually? Yeah. Uh, you know, people, nobody wants to hear someone preach from an ivory tower that's never actually experienced the world. Right. Uh, you know, too many think tank people, uh, are probably jump into that world too soon. 
Uh, I can tell you some of the most important learnings uh, from managerial skills to running a business happened long before I was working for a nonprofit law firm, right? Uh, you know, working in logistics for Target Corporation, working in outside sales, doing 200 cold calls a week. I mean, you know, those are the stories that I use now to illustrate why my work is so important and, you know, why we help the people that we help. But, you know, they're still foundational elsewhere. So I'd encourage everyone to, you know, put their mental health first. If you're staying up all night, uh, you know, agonizing over, over your purpose, you're forgetting a really important part of your life, which is you got to walk around with a smile on your face because, you, you know, this is the shot you get. Uh, you, you really, it would be a shame to waste it. Um, as people keep pushing, though, uh, you know, purpose is important. Um, and, and finding that go easy, look for friends. Uh, one of the things that we've done with this book, um, that I'd love to be able to share with your audience, if it's okay, yeah, go is, ahead, do it. you know, it's, it's not just a book, uh, is we actually are building a community, um, of people who want to help each other find jobs in working for Liberty or advance the Liberty movement. Uh, we built a discord in the last two days. We have 30 people in there posting jobs, posting resources and, We've already hooked two people up with potential internship opportunities. Wow. So, um, you know, if you're feeling like you're not where you need to be, come talk to some real people who have maybe sat where you've been or could help you out or talk you down. And, uh, you know, that's that's what we're there for is to bring people together and build a community that matters. It, it, it's amazing that you're doing that. And, folks, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to include everything in the show notes today. So if this is something that is really getting you excited, I want to be able to help connect you with Connor and the others for this. This is something that, uh, you know, I, I certainly wish was around for myself. And, I mean, when you mention community – what, what libertarians need to understand, and I'm talking about people that actually take action in their lives, not just keyboard warriors, there's only so few of us, and we have more in common than we do that separates us. And I'd be lying if I said that I didn't get some amazing opportunities because I had the right connection of something. I, uh, I, I joke about this quite often, but right before I had basically thought that I was going to quit journalism – uh, quit everything and just try and focus on paying my bills and stuff. I was selling makeup to strippers in DC and Baltimore. You want to talk about learning how to negotiate, negotiate with bubbles when she's trying to get a whole bunch of like eyeliner, you know, cases and everything because she sweats on stage a lot. Uh, you know, that teaches you a lot about yourself. And I had quit that job because the hours were terrible. The pay was worse. And, you know, my safety was on the line. But after a few weeks of allowing myself to take a break, I got a call from uh, Cliff Maloney from Young Americans for Liberty. And ultimately, that call led to my job at The Washington Times. And that was an amazing job for the year and some months I was there. It has completely changed my life. And ultimately, if I wasn't there, I wouldn't be where I'm at with my day job at Parlor. But the one thing that I realized with that job is that it could have been anyone, but it was me. There was a little bit of guilt in that because I'm doing very well, but I'm seeing very other capable people who were struggling in their own right. So something that I tried to do, and I did this with Young Voices, was I immediately made it my goal to give back to the movement. And that's what started the Young Voices column at the Washington Times, which you have had some amazing pieces at. Uh, I remember that when I was there. I think I mailed you a copy of the paper. Did I do that? You did. It's actually about a foot and a half away from me right now on top of my safe. Yeah. Seriously? That's oh, great. my God. That's Always. A- uh, yeah, it's very important. I really, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The yeah. people who give 
and the people who are genuine about it. I mean, I, I think in my own life, right. At some point I, I, I probably as a younger man, I, I looked at libertarianism a little differently and individual individualism. And, you know, maybe I think I was a bulldog coming out of college as a manager and as an employee. And uh, what I've really come to realize over the last decade is the more that uh, I, I genuinely give and help connect people that, that want to do great things together, the more it comes back to, to help me in the end. It's, uh, it's so important. Yeah. I mean, it, it, so it, it's compounding. That's the thing. Like it, it's compounding and I've had the opportunity to help a lot of people. A lot of people have helped me. I mean, I want to say I'm a self-starter. I did everything by myself, but I would be wrong if I said it wasn't the kindness of others that also led led to a lot of those things happening. I, you know, it's still in my everyday life, whether it's liberty related or something else. Uh, I think that's something that we often forget, especially when we're in a state of desperation where it's like, I just have to find work. But, uh, you know, with, with that said, what, what do you think the, the liberty movement now is kind of lacking in a way? I think we've gotten better about stuff. I think we've gotten better when it comes to networking, when it comes to providing opportunities. But there are always, you know, kind of those blind spots. Where are some of the stuff that you've noticed? Yeah. I want to circle back to one thing you just said real yeah, go quick ahead. before we go to that is that what you just said about the importance of helping other people and connecting with that. I always think I always get a crack out of when I talk to folks who say, well, well, are you an individualist? Don't you care about individual freedom? And, and it's always so rewarding to be able to shoot back and say the importance of voluntary association is everything. I mean, that doesn't just because you care about individuals doesn't mean that you, you don't want to create amazing friendships, create amazing businesses. Uh, you know, that's what makes us so much stronger. And the reason I wanted to say that is because in terms of what's wrong with the liberty movement right now, what's missing, it's coalitions. Uh, it's, it's people being willing to um, take that step and, you know, lead with an olive branch instead of a sword. Uh, I, I've seen this uh, both in politics, of course, that's rampant, it's everywhere, it's happening. Um, but even in organizations uh, across the country, large organizations, multi-million dollar nonprofits, uh, where I've seen you know leaders of those organizations get in silly uh, arguments or disagreements over policy or about something that's not even related to the job. And it prevents those organizations from building amazing things together. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. And, and if we can change one thing, I'd love to be a part of that solution. I've, I've, I've got a, I've got a story for you. And this yeah. is just one of the big ones that comes to my head. Uh, this is, this is all public. Uh, no, if anyone gets offended or thinks it's anything scandalous, uh, it, it's not. But like when, when I was at the times, a majority of my role was in the commentary section, but a lot of what I had to do was try and just build brand awareness. And it was trying to come up with things that could connect other organizations together. And as you know, as anyone who's been in this for more than five minutes knows, there are always people that allow egos to get in the way, that allow little gripes and friction to get in the way. And little things can make big problems for people. But one of the things that uh, was one of my big challenges up front was trying to let people know that I had their back irregardless as to who else I was working with. One organization that is somewhat polarizing amongst libertarians specifically is Turning Point USA. 
I can tell people, and I tell people now, I had to develop a relationship with Turning Point USA from scratch. I had a good relationship with the Times, and I have a good relationship with them now. Nothing has to change. And the same goes for, let's say, you know, members of Students for Liberty. Often there was that rivalry. I remember I was a SFL campus coordinator. I get it. But I had to do things with them and Young Americans for Liberty and college Republicans and all this other stuff. And they would see me coordinating and they think, well, whose side is he on? And the big thing I had to emphasize is like, I'm on everyone's team. When you got something to work on and you need some support, come to me and we'll make it work. If if my working arrangements with people make you uncomfortable, it's not going to be because it's a me issue. And I think we need to make that clear. So just because I work with one person does not mean I'm shutting the door elsewhere. I wish I could say that's how other people were. There are organizations (laughs) who still will not work with me today because of association of others. They have the right to do that. But because of that, I can see from a bird's eye view that they are missing more than they will have ever lost by completely closing off some conversations. You're absolutely right. I was actually, this is so funny. I was just talking to a friend of mine. Um, I actually got to see one of my friends from college in person this past weekend for the first time in months. It was awesome. Before the plague. Such a, yeah. I mean, it was this incredible (laughs) moment of like, Hey, wait a second. We can both get to a location where, you know, we don't need to wear masks while we hang out and enjoy the, enjoy the start of fall. Um, and, uh, his girlfriend works for ESPN, uh, and works for, you know, which is in the Disney family of companies. And it was incredible. She was talking about her job where she works on synergies. So she brings together, you know, uh, during the NFL, they're advertising for a Marvel movie and a crossover with a national geographic, uh, platform and, you know, mixing all these things. And the way you just described it is so perfect because we need something like that, uh, in the Liberty movement. We need an organization or a group of people or just a culture that's willing to say, Hey, my Disney could go really great on with your SPN if we connected the two, uh, instead of saying, man, you do kids movies and we do sports. Uh, you know, let's treat these as two different worlds. Disney and ESPN are raking in cash because they're working and they're integrating their companies to make. Oh, Disneyland is suffering, but Disney plus (laughs) is taking everyone's money. So much Disney, Disney, everyone loves baby just fine. Yeah. (laughs) There's so much money out there. Everyone's going to be just fine to get back on the rides when this is all over. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's just going to be important for our culture to do this. Otherwise you see the way that the the left organizes, you see the way that the right organizes, uh, Liberty as a concept is independent of party. Uh, but when you look at the the largest machines in this country that are working to control how we perceive liberty, uh, they are incredibly well organized. And you betcha that they're organizing state to state, town to town, and person to person, and they are helping each other out uh, to make sure that their side is getting the the leg up. We we got to get there with liberty. What, what are what are some of the lessons you think we can take from those different coalitions? Because as much as I want to talk shit about the left and liberal tiers and all that shit, like they know how to fundraise. They know how to organize. They know basic what I call institutional knowledge. They've got the flow charts. They know whose task is going where. Like they've got it down. And it's not just an opinion. It's a fact that whenever they need to move, they know how to rapidly mobilize like it's a freaking D-Day invasion. It's absolutely true. Uh, I mean, they are fantastic. If you look at 
the companies that came out of the Obama campaign, there were 11 data companies that were born out of that campaign. I believe that number is. No, so uh, yeah, that, that's off the top of my head, uh, but uh, it's it's double digits <laughs> and it's in there. So maybe 11 is even a conservative that is guess. Insane. Uh, but Bill. all of these data companies organized on multi uh, on so many different levels. They went to public sector unions. They went to grassroots organizations. They went to other advocacy organizations, and they gave them the tools to continue again what I really consider to be a marketing campaign, uh, which is what politics has become uh, is just marketing. Uh, and on the right too, though, uh, you know, I want to give them uh, fair credit here. Uh, I had the chance well before his recent news to speak with Brad Parscale at um, CPAC uh, two years ago now. And that was over 400 days before the election. And he said he had 13 million volunteers. Um, so when you talk about machines, when you talk about data, when you talk about organization, uh, hopefully that gives you just some sense of scale of what the concept of liberty independent of political parties is actually up against significant. Yeah. I mean, with, with Parscale specifically, the one thing that he did in 2016 that helped Trump versus what was going on with Mitt Romney in 2012 was the ability to scale and communicate. And I think this is just a basic, this is a life skill. And I think that's, this is something that you touch in your book through and through. It's that, you know, while you're doing this, you're developing life skills or you should seek to develop them. But, you know, Parscale understood if you, if you don't have a massive way to communicate and get people to leverage and delegate responsibility, uh, nothing is going to get done. And with the with the Romney campaign, that was an issue that they constantly ran into. It's that they had a lot of people, you know, it was all chiefs and no Indians, so to speak. It's that servant leader mentality, because I think everyone wants to be, we all want to be a face of the Liberty movement at one point. It's just something that's inherent in all of us. We're all vain to that degree. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, sometimes you got to be the guy fixing the printer before you can be the guy on stage. And I think we need to understand that, you know, they're both they both play a role you just have to understand your position in a given situation i've been campaign manager i've been printer guy i've been fundraiser i've been get the coffee dude and it's never just been you know an upwards progression it's been a roller coaster with a stop in robocops detroit in between like there were times where i'm like am i doing the right thing or am i just screwing up but i mean i think there there's a lot to learn in that this basic institutional knowledge of just how teams work because ultimately the the proof is in the pudding we can see the results yeah you know, one of the things, and I appreciate you you hitting on the book too there, just because uh, there is a whole section, you know, the entire fourth section of this book is just titled Get Educated. Uh, and in there, it's just links to, uh, I opened it up, so I have it, but uh, classes and resources, campaign resources, local events, recommended reading, podcasts, and student organizations, just different places that you can go to connect with uh, people because absolutely, if you're already working in the Liberty movement and you're and uh, and you want to continue working in the Liberty movement, you got to keep learning. You got to keep getting better, uh, not just because it's good for, for the movement, but because it's good for you uh, to feel better and move forward and pursue your purpose in a better way. Um, this is uh, something that not enough people spend the time to put that tool in their tool belts and it's going to hurt them if they don't. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I would be doing something wrong if I didn't address the 900 pound element elephant in the room. But like, 
there, there's this factor with everything that young people do. What did your parents think when you told them that you wanted to get involved in some type of liberty oriented profession? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think my father would consider himself a libertarian dad. I, I won't, I won't speak for you. Uh, but, um, I, I grew up in what I normally refer to as a Dave Ramsey household. Right. Um, so uh, no Dave credit Ramsey's, cards. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> I'm, I, from the story. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I, I only had a credit card when I was out of the house. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Dave Ramsey, <laughs> obviously a financial guy for those of you who are wondering why we're talking about credit cards. Um, but part of it, you know, inherent in that was uh, the idea of individual responsibility and, and kind of living your life that way. And, you know, my father has a libertarian sticker on the back of his car now. So uh, whether or not it was a label or not at the time, uh, I don't I don't think you got to teach me how you did that, because mine's still a piece of work. You're what? <laughs> you got to tell me how you got him to do that, because I'm, I've been trying to work on mine for years and he's still a piece <laughs> of work. <laughs> I, I, this is definitely an example where I learned, uh, from him, uh, in, in so many ways and, uh, him and my mom just had so, such a big influence on that kind of, uh, mentality in life. So when I, when I came around to, you know, reading Atlas Shrugged and, and really, you know, getting some of these more formal introductions to the world of Liberty, um, I finally just had a label for a lot of the things that I already believed in. Uh, so when I said that I, I was not going to take another job until I found a job that had purpose, uh, when my parents are, uh, living in Southern Maine and I'm living in Pennsylvania and they're thinking this guy's six and a half hours away and he doesn't have a job to pay his mortgage. Uh, you know, I'm sure that they were worried, but, um, I've always really appreciated their support in me and just being willing to say, Hey, pursue you, uh, and, and that everything's going to work out in the end. Uh, and in this case, Sure, maybe I was a few dollars short for six months, but uh, the payoff has been incredible. I, I think it's incredibly important that people hear that. Uh, I know for me, I had – I wouldn't say the opposite. I've always had very supportive parents that were willing to allow me and my crazy ideas. It's, it's time in the sky. But uh, th- that is something that I hear from a lot of people when they're really starting to get to that crunch point where it's like, what do I do next? Because yeah. there, there, there are pressures everywhere. And, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to this field, family pressure is a big thing because they see us do things like live in our cars and go knock doors for candidates. They, they see us talk about stuff that no one else is talking in the news. Sometimes it's alien. Uh, more often than not, you know, it's part of that phase uh, parents allow us to do. But I, I've heard more often than not, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of relationships are strained because of that. For for people out there that are having that that friction with their family that no one wants, but it, it's there because of the circumstances. Uh, what, what do you suggest they do? Because the one thing I see and it never works that well is when they say "fuck you, dad." I'm gonna go wave Ron Paul signs, and I'll talk to you later when I abolish the Fed. One, that's stupid. Two. That's a relationship you don't want to burn just as a person. Yeah. So uh, what, ha, ha, what, what would you advise those people in that situation do? Yeah, the first thing that I'd say is if you're in that situation now where, where you already you know, cursed out your family and you headed out to go wave signs, is, um, this is a tough time in the world. And I, I want people to know that they're not alone. There are communities out there who uh, just don't feel like you're getting down on yourself because you're not making a million bucks working for Liberty right now or you know, things are tough with your family. Um, there's a lot of stress and strain on everyone. 
so first of all, uh, I'd recommend that people find a community. And even if it can't be your family, know that there are people out there uh, who are forming communities or, or are part of communities that would love to welcome you. Um, but the second part is is really demonstrating uh, if you if you didn't uh, curse out your family and, and you're still trying to, you know, make a that was a direct quote, by the way, that's what somebody well, okay, yeah. told me with a <laughs> smile. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> see, it breaks my heart. Uh, because yeah. I think that they're better. You can make that argument. And, you know, I teach uh, rhetoric in, in my first year business classes uh, that I teach at, at the university here. And uh, when you think about it, you got to make either an emotional, a logical or a character appeal, right? Ethos, pathos, logos, like think about uh, what's important. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I wrote this book because I think it would have been a heck of a lot easier. Uh, you know, my parents certainly worried about me. Um, and, and I definitely wished at, at many points that I could say, you know, here's my blueprint for the future. Here's my plan. Um, and, you know, maybe I wrote it three and a half years too late to show my parents that I was headed in the right direction there. But um, I'd like to think that this could be a good tool and as a resource guide uh, to help people have those conversations and show those who, who don't know, whether it's your parents or someone else who's being a naysayer in your life, show them, actually, no, this is what I care about. This is what I want to do. And there are hundreds of organizations and hundreds of opportunities out there uh, where I can get paid to do something that I care about. Uh, and, you know, put your foot down when it comes to your principles. It matters. I, I agree. To, to kind of transition, um, you know, I, th I think skills is also one of those things that gets people kind of shook up. Do you address like the, the need and the understanding of your skills in the book at all? Yeah. When you say skills, are you talking about uh, hard skills or soft skills? I would say both. I think a lot of people get confused with it because I, I will say that a lot of people think they want to do one thing, but their skills would show that they should be you know, doing something else. Like for example, and, and this is why I, I tell people in college, college is not your time to do anything other than work your ass off. And I say it's about your twenties as a whole, your twenties are not your time to sleep. Your, your twenties are your time to hustle. Like it's going out style. But you know, for me, I, I took an internship. I thought I really wanted to just be a straight journalist my life. But what I, you know, during, you know, for, for a while, but like what I learned when I was actually doing it was that, one, I, I could learn the skills, but my skills were more set towards, you know, creative projects, collaborations. I was more digitally minded, less, you know, go knock on doors and question people stuff. And I think sometimes what a lot of young people think is that they have to do one job to accomplish that. But what they can realize is that they probably have unique talents or skills that could still be used for the cause of liberty. It's either one, the job doesn't exist yet, or two, they haven't found a way to implement it. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess to, to answer that about the, the skills piece of it, at least, and, and I'll circle back to the other bit there, is uh, the skill set is very, very wide just in terms of what's needed. And I think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize when they say, oh, there's a think tank out there. Uh, I bet they're just hiring policy wonks, right? No, you got to have operations. I, I, yeah, people. I would say that yeah. would—that's the general right. assumption. Yeah. That's what you think it because that's those are the public-facing people. But you know, uh, these think tanks and these organizations—they need uh, entry-level uh, admin people. They need someone to do the coffee jobs. They need uh, uh, people to work in communications. People to work in operations. People to work work in uh, communications. 
uh, all of these different places where there are a variety of different skill sets. So uh, it's not just being a policy wonk that you that you should think about. Um, the other piece there is uh, in the book, we don't really address the hard skills or the soft skills um, too much soft skills, uh, definitely in terms of networking and, and being a giver instead of being transactional. Um, but the real place to get that kind of training and that kind of education is going to be in our Discord community. We have a whole channel that's just set aside for PDFs from different trainings that people have gone to, uh, different, hey, how to, how to start a website, how to uh, uh, ace an interview, um, and also just real live people who you can ask if you have a problem. Uh, or if you want to learn something, put it out there into the world. And uh, as this community continues to grow, there should be uh, people in there who can answer. And if there aren't, I'll go out and find them and ask them to join the group and, and help you out. Uh, well, Connor, you're, you're doing the Lord's work. And we, we've covered a lot of information with this. So the one thing I want to tell people is just buy the damn book. Don't ask me. Don't tweet him. Just get the damn book. It's it's something that I wish that I had when I was younger because – I mean, it, it's scary learning these things yourself, and there are not often opportunities for people to uh, to really learn it. And as we mentioned prior, there are a lot of people out there that have already paved the path. They just don't go ahead and lend a hand for other people, and it's for many reasons. Some of it's vanity. Some of it's fear of competition. It's many stuff, but if you're not contributing to this, I mean, it, it makes me question. It's like you, you understand that the best way to change a society, change a culture is to invest time and effort in people. And I think that for many professions, not just not just, you know, a single movement, but for many professions, just as a life skill, that that is something that I don't know if it's necessarily lacking now or maybe I'm just at a point in my life where I realize it. But that's, you know, it, it really gets you nowhere. So true. It's absolutely true. I, I really appreciate you saying that. And uh, like I said before, the liberty movement is a movement that should lift each other up and lift all people up. And uh, that's just such a, I think it's an empowering mentality uh, in a way that, you know, a lot of people don't realize until they try it and they realize all the good that can be, uh, that can be gained there. Perfect. So, Connor, uh, I think this is a good place to wrap up. I'm going to go ahead and link to everything in the show notes to make it easy for you folks. But if anyone wants to connect with you, get the book, learn more, join your Discord community, how could they do so? Yeah, the easiest way to find me is at connordragotis.com. Check the show notes for that spelling. And uh, also at cddragotis on all social media. Perfect. Well, Connor, it's been an absolute blast. I've learned a ton, and I know that a lot of people are really going to benefit from this. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Please. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Folks, I, I ask this uh, far too often, but I'll never stop because why not? Um, it costs you nothing, but it means everything to me. A five-star rating interview on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. That gets this message across. And if you value guests and insights and knowledge from people like Connor and the myriad of other awesome guests and conversations that we've had on the show, please share it with a friend. Share this knowledge. Let's actually get this going, especially for everyone else at the We Are Libertarians Network. As always, you can follow me across Al Gore's amazing internet at Hey Remso, H E Y R E M S O. But for the awesome people, find me on Parlor, P A R L E R, Parlor. Just find me at Remso. If you ever see Remso 2 pop up, go cyber bully them. You have my permission. As always, the only people who are free are those of choices. I'm Remso W. Martinez. Good night.
check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.